the outspoken sportscast episode 137 talks on tuesday we got an all-star edition for you this evening my name is craig i will be your host this evening brian's been out he's got some family um things that he needs to take care of we will cover the nationals backing up the brinks truck for soto um epic home run derby last night lakers preparing for life without kyrie some Madden, some Madden ratings that just came out, and so much more right after this. Welcome back, folks. It's the Outspoken Sportscast, episode 137, All-Star Edition. Um, We'll start with Major League Baseball. Tonight's the All-Star Game, and they're playing. They're starting here in the next just a few minutes. And right before the All-Star break, the Washington Nationals came out and offered Juan Soto, one of the probably the biggest contracts in Major League Baseball history. 15 years, $440 million, and Juan Soto said no. Um, now, there's two couple different discussions on this, on why he said no. Um, it appears that one story is that he wants $500 million. Uh, the other story is he just doesn't want to be in Washington because they're going to be going through a rebuild of – pretty well epic proportion starting this year. Um, the Washington Nationals have pretty much blown that team up. Steven Strasburg has been announced that he's done for the season. He had that arm injury again, and he's done for the season. Um, of course, Anthony Rendon's gone. Now, Soto's really the only main piece that they have. So, um, I personally believe it's not about $500 million. It's about um, winning and making playoffs and, and the legacy, and, and he just doesn't think that they can win more than about 50 or 60 games every year. 
for the next few years. Uh, if it comes out that he really wants $500 million, uh, that would be a shame. Um, so the Nationals have announced that they are open to trade talks and are willing to listen to offers on Juan Soto. And, of course, the first name that came up is the New York Yankees. The Yankees, um, I'm not sure how they would do this because Judge is waiting to be paid as well. Stanton, Soto, uh, that lineup would be absolutely insane if that would be the case. Um, So I'm not real sure if or what they were asking for if they get Soto to be traded. But right now there'll be teams that are calling on Juan Soto. Um, it's, it's, we're on the back half of the all-star break after tonight and games start again on Thursday and teams will be making the teams that are still in the playoff push. will be making calls on, on Soto to try to do their due diligence and see what exactly Washington wants for him. Of course, I'm sure if they're going to offer him $440 million, they're going to want the King's ransom for him. And kind of rightfully so. He's only 23 years old. Um, He's got a rocket for an arm. He plays pretty good defensive outfield. He hits you, you know, anywhere from 30 to 40 homers a year. Um, He's just an all-around five-tool guy that the Nationals have tried to build their team around. Um, But we'll see. We'll see if anybody comes up with the magic offer to get him. We'll see if he's moved. We'll see if he's moved in the offseason. Um, but it'll be very curious to see um, if the Nationals can't get an offer. If they if they can't get an offer they want, do they go ahead and do they up the offer um, to to Soto and, and try to go to the $500 million or try to, to go a couple extra years? Um, Basically, they offered him a contract at 15 for 440 that would have made him a Washington National for life. Um, to me, this is a shame because here's an organization who who has kind of been known to not pay their guys. They didn't pay Rondon what they thought he was offered. They did okay with Strasburg. Um, and, and so there's been a kind of a complaint that they wouldn't, lay the money down for the big spender and for the big uh, player, and, and they did this time. They they absolutely laid it on the line. They did what they needed to do, and for him to tell them no and not sign this contract to me was very, very, you know, a, a black eye for baseball. Um, so anyway, it'll be interesting to see what um, comes of this uh, in the upcoming week. Uh, or so after the All-Star break, does Soto get traded? Does somebody make an epic deal? How does how does that help Washington? How do they get better um, by by what kind of draft picks, what kind of haul can they get for Soto? And um, so we'll go from there. Um, I think Juan Soto is a, a good ball player. I think if the Yankees get him, that would be a brutal lineup to face. And they are already – um, well on their way to um, being the favorites to win the World Series this year as they've got a 12,000-game lead on everybody in that division 
and they're playing their best baseball. Um, so 15 for 440 million and he turns it down. I don't think I've ever heard of a contract like that ever being turned down. So that's a shame for the Nationals to, to offer that kind of money and not get their guy. Uh, here they were. They thought this was just a formality. Uh, it, and uh, he, he goes and ruins the dreams of uh, National fans for the next few years to come. Staying with Juan Soto, the home run derby was last night, and boy, was it one of the more epic ones that we've seen in a long time. Um, you had Kyle Schwarber, uh, Aaron, or uh, Albert Pujols, uh, Corey Seager, Julio Rodriguez, Juan Soto, I believe that's it. Um, oh, no, you had, um, the guy from the Mets, um, yeah, I'm drawing a blank on his name right now, uh, the polar bear, um, so, Pete Alonzo, uh, and so um, it was a very, very epic home run derby with some controversy. It doesn't ever come without controversy. Uh, in the first round, um, Albert Pujols faces the one seed in Kyle Schwarber and hits 20 homers and is waiting to see if he advances to the next round. It appears by ESPN's count that Schwarber hits 18 and number 18, and it doesn't count. Um, they didn't cl click it on the clicker, so he finishes one short of Pujols. Pujols advances. Schwarber never says anything, but the betting odds in, in Vegas and all these online betting deals, Schwarber was the one seed. He was a the high favorite to win. People had picked him to win, and so that is a, a, a one – snafu that Major League Baseball had, and in the final round, Juan Soto goes and, and throws a pitch after the clock is triple zero. Uh, he, he goes and throws a, a pitch and hits a homer on it and ends up winning on a walk-off 19-18. But the story of the home run derby was the old J-Rod show. Julio Rodriguez hits 32 homers in round one, 31 homers in round two, and 18 in the finals for a grand total of 81 homers and does not win the home run derby. That, to me, is crazy. I, I love the format of the bracket and, and putting guys against each other. And, you know, the, the guy and the, the legend in Pujols getting stuck as the, the eighth seed and having to face Schwarber off the bat, nobody likes to see that. But this young kid goes and blows through Corey Seager, blows through the two-time defending champ Pete Alonso, and then gives Juan Soto a run for his money. Uh, either guy would have been the youngest guy to ever win this event. Um, Soto was the youngest by a day. Uh, Julio Rodriguez would have been younger than that. Um, this kid, when, when he got called up to the major leagues after spring training, 
Uh, he just loves the game. He loves to play the game. This is a guy that the Seattle Mariners are going to build around for a long time. They are on a 14-game winning streak right now, so watch out for the Mariners if you're the Astros. Um, uh, this kid is can do everything. He is uh, a, a, an amazing outfielder. He has an arm. He is hitting the cover off the baseball. And, you know, you hope that the complaint is when they have this um, that that the home run derby can mess up these guys' swing and kind of send them into a, into a little bit of a funk the second half of the season. You hope that's not the case with Julio Rodriguez because this kid put on an absolute laser show last night and, in my opinion, um, probably should have won the home run derby and been the champion of this thing with 81 homers. But Juan Soto gets the job done, gets a little more extra money that he doesn't get when he's for his contract, and gets the hardware. Um, I enjoy this, like I, we were talking about with Brian before, um, that, that this is the – over the, the um, over the um, time that, that – um, the dunk contest, the three-point contest, the, the all the other all-star games, the home run derby is the absolute best of all the, the these events that happen, and uh, I absolutely enjoyed watching it. Um, yeah, crazy that the um, person who hits the most home runs doesn't win the derby. I don't like it. Yeah, I don't like it either. Because this kid hits 81 bombs, puts on an absolute show, and and doesn't win the the deal. They changed the format a couple of years ago because of the you know Josh Hamilton hit you know a thousand in round one and then couldn't hit anymore, so they went to a time deal, um, and and they try to make it a little bit fair and put up guys head to head against the bracket and and all these other things. So, um. But the bottom line is, is it's a better, better show. There was more entertainment. Um, the fans had an absolute blast with, with what was going on. Um, and, and this kid is going to be hopefully in the home run derby and in, in Major League Baseball for a very long time to come. Um, I would love to build my team around Julio Rodriguez. If I was a GM, this guy in Seattle has gotten it right. Um, I would assume... There's going to be a rookie contact extension probably in the offseason that locks that kid up for a lifetime in Seattle. If they're smart, um, that's absolutely what they're going to do. Uh, Seattle was a team that, that was supposed to contend, was won the division last year, made the playoffs, and had a little bit of a rough start, but they're on a 14-game winning streak. And if I'm the Houston Astros, I'm definitely looking over my shoulder right now. Um, on to the next highlight, there is trouble in paradise for the Lakers. It appears that while they were at the Summer League, the three stars, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Russell Westbrook, had a phone call with each other. And it appears they kind of committed themselves to each other. Though There's been rumors swirling that the Russell Westbrook time in, in L.A. is over. Um, that's all you hear. You hear that they're trying to get rid of him every day. There's mock trades that they offered him this, they offered him that, they offered him this, and everybody's declining. 
Nobody wants Westbrook to think he's on the backside of his career. These three guys have basically said, hey, we can do this together. We had a bad season last year. That's a formality. That's all out. Anthony Davis has said, I'm healthy. I'm going to play. I'm not going to be Captain Street clothes. Uh, I'm going to dedicate myself to the gym. I'm going to get myself back in the gym. I'm going to get myself on a court for you guys. And we're going to take this and we're going to win it. We don't need Kyrie Irving. So it sounds to me like they're planning on life without Kyrie Irving. But everything you read suggests that LeBron James will demand to be traded if they don't get Kyrie Irving. He will demand out of L.A. He will not sign an extension if he doesn't get Kyrie. Here's a guy who couldn't get rid of Kyrie fast enough when they were in Cleveland, and Kyrie single-handedly hit a death blow shot over Steph Curry and wins LeBron his Cleveland title and takes all the hero and, and ends up, you know, riding off into the sunset and saving Cleveland before he ups and leaves them high and dry again. Um, the bottom line is Kyrie is a cancer, and, and so being not the biggest Laker fan in the world, hey, bring Kyrie in and let's have a blast. Go ahead and just take the Lakers and implode that whole locker room and, and do what you do, Kyrie. But it appears from what they're talking about on the Internet and, and the talks of um, – the basketball reporters and the and the deal is these three had a conversation on the phone, recommitted themselves to one another and said, I'm in, let's do it without Kyrie, let's do it without this. So it'll be very interesting to see where the Lakers go with this and whether or not they're going to um, be able to to take this team that was supposed to be as soon as they put it together, it was automatically, they're in the finals, they're playing Milwaukee, and, and this is what we're going to have. And not only did they not make the finals, they didn't even make the play-in tournament. So um, to, to say it's one of the most epically disappointing seasons in Laker history is an understatement. It got Frank Vogel fired. Um, Darren Hams has come in and, and committed himself to Russell Westbrook and thinks that he can – save the day as the new head coach um i just don't i'm not buying it i'm not buying that these three can all of a sudden wave a magic wand and and all the the problems they had all the camaraderie they had all the chemistry issues they had last year just go away uh anthony davis hasn't played more than 40 or 50 games in a season and since i can remember um so we will see if he's willing to do this. We'll see if he's willing to, to make the sacrifices and do the things that he's supposed to do. And, and we'll see. Um, I don't believe he is. I don't believe – I believe Father Time has come for LeBron. Father Time is undefeated. And while LeBron did a wonderful job in the past um, of, of fighting it off, uh, the time has come that his career is on a downslope. And I don't believe that, that the Lakers are going to do what they need to do. Um, so I just, I think that Kyrie gives them their best chance, but what they're going to have to give up for him is one of those three guys. One of those three guys are going to have to go, um, the Brooklyn Nets are not going to just get, take, take spare parts and pieces for Kyrie Irving. So it'll be very interesting to see, um, whether or not this trade goes through or the Lakers get these three together and go, okay, 
You guys are all in. You guys don't need Kyrie. All right, we're going with what we got. And um, so we'll go with what we got. And um, it'll be interesting to see in the coming weeks where that decision lies. They go with the three. Do they trust in them? Do they trust Anthony Davis? Do they trust LeBron? Do they trust Russell Westbrook? Or do they say that they have to go get Kyrie and that's the only way? Uh, it'll be interesting to see. On to the next headline. Um, Derek Jeter has a seven-part documentary that's coming out or just been released, um, The Captain. Um, this sounds to me like it's going to be extremely interesting. Derek Jeter is a guy who came in and, and lived up to the hype, um, basically just won from the word go. His rookie season on to the time where, where he had 3,000 hits and rode off into the sunset. Um, you, you've just never really heard anything bad about this guy. He was a class act. He was a good teammate. He was, you know, um, had all the women in the gift baskets and, and, uh, everybody wanted to, to be part of Jeter's life. And, and so this seven part documentary, um, kind of like the, the one on Aaron Hernandez and all these ones that they've done, um, I believe it's going to be real interesting. So it's probably something that I'll watch this weekend and try to catch up on and um, see if it's as good as they claim it to be. Um, the guy had a miraculous, you know, an amazing career. Um, he he made plays at shortstop the guys you just don't see make. Um, some of the plays that he made were, were made out to be more than, than what they are. The you know to me the one of the most epic plays in Derek Jeter's career is the throw coming from the outfield and he runs from where he's at at shortstop across the pitcher's mound, cuts it off, lifts it behind his back, and gets the guy at home plate. Whereas if he'd have just let the ball go to the catcher, they'd probably get the guy by a hundred steps. But it just shows the athleticism and the and the grit and the grind of Derek Jeter that he didn't take anything for granted. He wanted to be in and part of the play, and uh, he dedicated himself to the Yankees, won a bunch of championships, had a historic career. Um, you know, his 3,000th hit was a was a home run. Um, so the kid, I mean, the guy had a, had a career up to the very end uh, that he was still hitting for power and still hitting – for average, and um, I just believe that um, here's a guy that, that you just never heard anything bad about him. You never heard that he was a bad teammate. You never heard that he was a prima donna. You never heard that, that um, you know, he, he wouldn't do things for other teams or haze rookies or anything like that. You just never heard a bad thing about Derek Jeter, and I believe this seven-part documentary uh, is going to be one that you you really 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 should watch. Um, to me, Derek Jeter is you know an, a unanimous Hall of Famer. Um, he he goes in to the to the you know Hall of Fame. He he is a Yankee legend. He's still surrounded in in L.A. Uh, I mean in in New York and and is there at the stadium. And, and people love him, and it's just an absolute, absolute um, thing that you, that you probably should watch. Um, so um, 
the the next highlight, um, the Madden ratings have come out, and this is probably not something everybody follows. Um, it, it's something that that um, if you're a gamer and you play Madden or you follow the NFL, uh, you look for these every year and you see did they get it right? Did they? Um, Gotta come in here. Okay. Um so um the Madden ratings have come out and I mean most of the time they these guys they try to get it as close as they can to being right. Um but one came out this year and it's um, Jamar Chase, and he gets an 87 out of 100. And, you know, here's a guy who had 1,450 yards, 15 touchdowns, led his team to a Super Bowl, uh, and they give him an 87 rating, and they give the Raiders uh, Devontae Adams a 99. I mean, granted, Devontae Adams is one of the best receivers in football right now, but Jamar Chase is a close second, uh, and definitely 87 is too low. Of course, he gets on and says, hey, um, I'm just going to use this for motivation. I'm going to come out this year, and I'm going to have a better season than I had my rookie year. Uh, me and Joe Burrow are going to light the world on fire and we're going to go right back to where we were. We're going to go back to the Super Bowl and, and deal. Tom Brady gets a hold of this and has a, a you know hilarious comment that he says, hey, kid, don't worry about it. In my second year, they didn't even put me in the game. And he shows a screenshot of the, the Patriots roster where the 12 is just a no photo and it says QB 12 is all they had under there uh, for Tom Brady. And he wins the Super Bowl. Um, so they try to make light of it. They try to make fun of it, but, um, you know, sometimes they get these things wrong. Um, it's, it's game writers and and guys that don't follow the game too much. And, and he's a rookie. Here's a guy in his second season. Um, you know, you just can't take these things to heart, but these guys do, um, these NFL football players work every day and try to become the best they can be and have breakout seasons. And, and, you know, for whatever reason, uh, the, the Madden rating has always been kind of how what they, what they player uses is how the, the, the fan base and how the, the world sees them. And so when they have ratings like this, um, they just, they, they take it personal and take it to where, um, it, 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 um, ends up ends up affecting how they um how they end up uh going to um you know um going on about their day and going on about their work ethic and and, and they try to call Madden and they try to, to to call the guys that make the game and send them Twitter, you know, tweets on, on you should boost my rating and, and live boost my rating and everything like that. Um, it, it, to me, it, it's just, it's fun and, and you play the game and, and the ratings are, are, um, amazing. And 
these guys can't let them can't let them bother them. Um, so, um, that to me is Jamar Chase just kind of being a, a rookie and and um, and and letting things get to him. Uh, but he's not the first. He's not the first that's been upset by his Madden ratings uh, and and something that um, should um, absolutely uh, and positively we'll see. Does it does it really does he really go and use this as motivation and have a two thousand yard season and light the world on fire and and uh, prove everything wrong and everything like that? Um, we will see what happens with that. Um, and and it'll be interesting to see um, what kind of season all these guys have. Devontae Adams was a new quarterback. Jamar Chase coming off his rookie season. And, and it'll just be interesting to see on all that. Um, there's one more story that has come out in the NBA, and that's Luka Doncic. It has come out that Luka um, really doesn't want to be part of the, the recruiting team. He doesn't want to be going out and trying to to recruit guys to come play with him. He thinks that is the job of the front office. Um, he believes it's Cuban's job. He believes it's uh, Nico's job. And, and those guys should be able to draw guys in. And, and his play on the basketball court should be enough. Um, this is something that, to me, kind of shows the 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 definition of Luke is kind of a prima donna. Um, he he played overseas. He played over in Europe, and he played in the the most competitive, which is is a league that that matches up kind of similar to the NBA, and that's great. But when you're in the NBA and you're a superstar. The owners, Portland with Dame and and Golden State with Curry and the Nets with Durant and, and Kyrie and, and Philadelphia with Harden, they use these guys. They, they bring them into these meetings. They sit them down and they say, hey, listen, this guy right here wants to play with you. He wants to play. He wants you to be his his wingman. He wants you to to help get us over the top. He thinks you're the piece that will give us over the top to win a championship. And when when that guy is there, when that guy is in the meeting and says, "Yes, I want you. I want to play with you. I'm looking forward to it. I think our games match. I think what we do. I think we're going to light the world on fire. We're going to score all the points and we're going to win all the games and we're going to go run off into the championship." When you have a superstar sitting in that meeting with you saying, I'm the one that has told management to come call you. I'm the one that suggests that we go get you. You're more likely to sign those guys. And, and this has been the Mavericks MO or, or what has been missing from the Dallas Mavericks for years now. Dirk wasn't real big on this. He did it a little bit. But he didn't go travel around the world and go run guys down and say, hey, I want you to come play with me. He would say, yeah, I want you to play with me. Come play, you know, whatever. With Cuban, it's whatever. It's not 
what Luca is wanting to do. He doesn't want to do it. He doesn't want to be the guy. He just wants to go play basketball. And that's fine, but you wonder if this will affect the Mavericks in the long run. Will they be able to get the superstar they need to get? Will they, will Nico Harrison and, and you know, uh, Mark Cuban be able to get the guys that they need to get to make Luke, to put Luke over the top? Or does Luca play his whole career as a Dallas Maverick and, and not, not get over the top? Or does he leave Dallas all in general and go to somewhere else and, and sign on with another team and hook on with a team that's already got a couple superstars and make a super team and win that way rather than having to be the guy that brings everybody to him? Can he just go play basketball and let, let his game do the talking and, and go win a championship? It'll be interesting to see what this, how this affects Dallas. Does this affect Dallas, um, and and does it allow them to to give give Luca the the team he needs and and win a super, you know uh, win a win a NBA championship or or do they have to do it on their own? Do they have to to recruit on their own? Do they have to um, recruit Luca, do they have to, to, to recruit without Luca and, and or does Luca walk and, and does he go find a team that he doesn't have to recruit for? He just shows up, plays basketball and is one of the three superstars that they have around him. Uh, it'll be very interesting to see how how his lack of effort and lack of commitment to recruiting and commitment to making the team better uh, affects the Dallas Mavericks in the long run. So one more story in the NFL. Um, we were really expecting the Deshaun Watson news to drop. We expected this to drop last week. There was the the um, there was the um, effect that that um, you know the 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 report was due to the um, NFL. The report was due to Watson's lawyer, and we expected fully. That, that this this suspension was going to be out by now. Training camps are starting to show up, and um, guys are starting to show up, rookies are starting to show up, veterans are starting to show up, and here's still no word on Deshaun Watson. Um, there's been rumors all the way from a season to two seasons to four to six games. It's all over the map on what you're hearing right now. But what has come out this week is Deshaun has come out and said, me and the Players Association are going to sue the NFL if you give us a year suspension. If it's anything over your four or six games or zero, which I think I should get, um, then, then I'm going to sue you. And I really hope this happens. Because if this clown believes that he shouldn't get 12 or more games, 17 or more games, or maybe never even play in the NFL again, then I would love to see him say that. Because here's a guy who had 66 women in 17 months and basically sexually assaulted over a quarter of them. He's made settlements with 25 of them. 
There's more coming out every day. He wants this thing put behind him because he's afraid more are going to come out every day. This is a joke. The NFL needs to drop the hammer on this guy. As I've said in the past, if it's four to six games, I'm going to go bonkers because this guy deserves to sit and watch. And I understand that he sat last year. That wasn't the punishment. That was Houston's decision. That was the Texans' decision to not play him. That has nothing to do with why he was getting punished. He got paid his full salary. He Here's a guy who went and manipulated his salary with the Cleveland Browns to get all this money up front in a signing bonus to where if he does get suspended, he only loses a million dollars. This guy has found every loophole in America to be able to go and and do what he wants and, and expose himself to these massage therapists and absolutely just be a, a horrific human being to, to all these women. And yeah, okay, they got money. They got a million dollars here, and the Texans have given them money, and Deshaun's given them money, and they probably never have to worry about money again. But they also have to, to every time they lay down at night, think about this guy laying on a massage table and, and moving towels to the side and, and you know, thrusting his hips into the massage table. It, it's, you don't need 66 massage therapists. You go to the massage therapist for the team, and that's it. It doesn't have to be all these women. That's not what you go to massage therapy for. And for anybody to sit here and say they support Deshaun Watson, I can't even wrap my head around it. This guy is an absolute animal, and and it, it's insane what, what we're going through right now. The NFL has got to put this to bed. Every day that goes by that there's not a decision, it is one that, that they wasted. They need to let Cleveland know what's going on. They need to let Deshaun know what's going on, and they need to put this behind them because it's an absolute black eye in the league, and it cannot happen. There was another story that came out in the NFL with everybody showing up to camp that Leonard Fournette rolls into camp like he just left the Golden Corral buffet, uh, rolls in at 260 pounds, and Tampa Bay is like, what in the world are you doing? Um, here's a guy who just signed another extension in the offseason. They gave him the money. They they passed on some other running backs. They did some other things. And this guy walks in like baby Huey, rolls it at 260 pounds and goes, hey, guys, I'm here. And they go, uh, are we the Eddie Lacy buffet program? Like, what are we doing? Um, you cannot roll into camp at 260 pounds and you're not the fullback. Like, what are we supposed to do with you at 260 pounds? So it'll be interesting to see if in the off-season programming and in training camp, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers can, can get the weight off him, get him back in shape and get him ready for opening day. Or if they decide, no, nah, man, this ain't going to work. And, and send Leonard Fournette out the door. Um, you, you keep in mind that, that there's a new head coach in Tampa. Uh, he's a defensive-minded guy, so I don't know if maybe he his opinion on it or not. But I just thought it was real comical that Leonard Fournette comes rolling into camp at 260 pounds and goes, hey, guys, I'm here, and can't even put a jersey on uh, because, you know, um, he absolutely just just had a horrible off season. Didn't lift a weight. Didn't 
do any cardio, didn't didn't anything. Um, he just rolls in uh, and and isn't ready to play the season. Um, these guys in the NFL get played millions and millions of dollars. They have personal trainers, they have personal chefs, and and here this guy is rolling into camp, uh, looking like he just left, you know, the the the, the buffet. So um, it, it's interesting. It, it's um, this, they, there's been a complaint with Zeke rolling into camp several years ago. He was overweight, but never 260. He didn't roll in uh, to camp, literally roll into camp and, and you know, not be able to, to, to do a rep or to, to um, carry a football or, or run wind sprints or anything like that. So, um, to me, this just shows it's a slap to Tampa that shows I'm not ready to play football. I'm not ready to be here. And, and um, to me – you just can't do that. So um, it's uh, come to the end of the show. That's about all the highlights we have for tonight. And um, we come to the part of the show. Normally, there's two or three of us, so we can go back and forth. But uh, I will just uh, kind of go on my own tonight and uh, go with the What's in Our Locker segment. Um, we're, we're working like normal, uh, it's been a long couple of days, but we're learning a new route uh, to take over and, and train somebody when they get hired. So um, we're learning that. And uh, this weekend, it's going to be pretty much just taking the weekend off and, and getting away and, and relaxing and, and spending a couple of days of not doing much of anything. Um, you know, may go down to the stockyards, may go down to, you know, watch movies. I'm not real sure what, what I'll do, but it won't be anything to do with work. Um, after I leave on Saturday, we're going to get away for a couple of days and, and reset and, and um, everything like that. Uh, you've got uh, some bowling coming up, uh, you know, finishing up summer league, getting ready for fall. That is my, that is my getaway other than, other than being on the podcast here with Brian and Jeff. Uh, being in the bowling alley is, is kind of the sanctuary. It's, uh, I've done it in my whole life and probably will until I can't anymore. And, uh, so, um, it's something that I enjoy. It's something that I, that I, uh, have, have made a lot of really good close friends with doing. And, um, I get to do that and, um, I still get to do it, um, with my dad. He moved back several years ago about three or four years ago now and we've been when doing it ever since and uh there were some times that uh when he lived in north carolina we didn't get to so um to be able to do that again and and spend some time with him um you'd you take that and and run with it um so that's about it for the the weekend that's about it for the week uh me Brian and Jeff will be here on Friday. Uh, we will cover a spotlight of the week. We will cover the rest of the headlines, hopefully including the suspension of Deshaun Watson. Um, we'll touch base on Major League Baseball. We'll be back in and heading down the, bo- the back stretch now to the second half uh, for teams to, to punch our way to the playoffs. The trade deadline's coming. And um, it'll be real interesting to see whether the Juan Soto deal gets done um that could be an absolutely huge piece for somebody 
to to punch a playoff ticket. Uh, here, a team that's on the, the on the outside looking in right now, or only has a couple game lead, um, for for somebody to land Juan Soto would be an absolute deal. So keep an eye on that for the trade deadline, and um, we will talk to you guys on Friday night. Until then, remember keep it outspoken. <laughs>